Way too many first responders are struggling with their fitness, health, and body goals, but you're not alone in that fight. I'm Ted with Fit Responder and with 11 years experience in law enforcement, as well as being a fitness coach for over 15 years myself. I've created some free resources as well as one-to-one professional fitness coaching for first responders. So I want you to check us out, fitresponder.com, or look us up on Instagram at fit.responder. That's fit period responder. And let's see you there. Chat soon. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Stop beating up your expensive sunglasses on the job. Hey, I'm Mike, founder of Frontline Optics, a sunglasses brand based out of San Diego designed for first responders. While working for the fire department, I was constantly breaking and scratching my expensive designer sunglasses at work. I knew there had to be a better way, and the idea for Frontline Optics was born. So what makes us different? We know these shades are going to get beat up, which is why we offer a no-questions-asked replacement program to cover lost or damaged sunglasses. When the time comes to get yours replaced, all you'll need to do is cover a $12 service fee, and we'll ship a brand new pair to your door, no questions asked. Additionally, a portion of all sales is donated to the First Responders Children's Foundation, supporting the loved ones left behind by our brothers and sisters who gave the ultimate sacrifice and service to their communities. All our glasses are polarized, and we offer free shipping and returns so you can try them risk-free. Not enough? We have Z87 styles available, and they're all at a price of $58 or less. Check us out, frontlineoptics.com or on Instagram at, at @frontlineoptics. Use discount code PMPM15 for 15% off. Now enjoy your podcast brought to you by Frontline Optics, sunglasses designed with the frontline in mind. The Poorly Made Police podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast has explicit content and is meant for mature audience. The views expressed on this Poorly Made podcast reflect the opinions of the guest and host. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this poorly made podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, I kindly invite you to lighten the fuck up. If you want to support this very poorly made podcast, click the link at the end of the description and become a monthly sponsor of the podcast. Or buy yourself some nice poorly made police memes merch. And of course, take care of the fine sponsors of this podcast. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the orgasmic sound of a crown vic. Oh, hey there. Now joining the podcast, I have the man, the myth, the legend from the great state of Iowa, Chief Benjamin. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm excited to be here. This is awesome. Is it though? Is it that? I mean, it's not that awesome. It's okay. It, you know, it is, man. I've been listening to it for a long time. Um, you know, we're a small department. Uh, I work for a, only a four officer agency and, um, I'll be honest, man, we, we get a kick out of the memes. We, we laugh about it. It raises morale. So to be on this podcast is like, it's, it's pretty, it's a, it's a, it's a high up there thing for me. Oh boy, you gotta improve your life if this is a high up here thing, man. We need to. I mean, I was great in <laughs> itself, man. You don't even need the. I don't know. So I, God, I immediately feel like off my game. That's all right. This is poorly made. It's fine. Okay, so <laughs> Chief Benjamin here. I'm just gonna call you Benjamin because calling you Chief is I can't do it. That's I weird. It's, it's weird. weird. It's a little weird. It's awkward. I'm kind of awkward. We're going to get into all your shit 
and small town policing and being a chief and, and your background and all that stuff. But I got something to rant about, if that's okay. I'm down. Let's hear it, man. Okay. I, I don't know about your agency, and I, I don't want to assume, but I'm going to assume smaller agency. You probably don't have, like, email addresses for all the officers, and guys have, like, their work email on their phone. That's not a thing where you work, right? No, I actually give them all their own phones and their own emails. Really? Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, okay. I don't color me. Surprised. We don't, we don't, we don't mix. I don't mix business and pleasure, right? Like, uh, if they're working for me, then they get, they get their own stuff. That's, and when it's work time, you know, they, they have to carry that phone, but when they're off, it's off. I, I don't want them being bothered by, you know, citizens and things like that. So no, they okay. get their own, Perfect. they get their own like communications. That. Okay. So my old agency, we didn't get our own phones, but, and it wasn't expected, but a lot of guys would get their emails on their home or their on their personal cell phones, mostly because at least the reason I did it was to be able to see like uh, when the off-duty gigs came out, which I know is not a thing everywhere, but like if you want to work some overtime, the yep. fucking guys are like sharks with that shit, so you got to be on that stuff. What that created, though was me checking my fucking phone all the time when I didn't need to check my phone all the fucking time. And yeah, it's, it's a horrible, like, cause you, I get it. Like we don't have a lot of off duty opportunities here, but you know, you do, you get consumed, like wondering what's going on or like dispatch. Like I'm sure your agency is the same, like dispatchers emailing you like, like warrants, you know what I mean? Like here's a hot new warrant that needs to get picked up. And you're like, Oh, I wonder if it's in my town, you know? And it creates this, um, like horrible, like nonstop working environment. And it's not, it's not a way to live. It's not a way to live. And I had two things remind me of that when I haven't thought about that in a long time, even though I, I mean, with the, you know, I'm a, I'm a busy meme lord, you know, I got people to talk to and business deals and stuff. I make it sound like way more important and busy than it is. But I, I, I spend way too much fucking time on my phone to begin with. But this morning, uh, this weekend I didn't get to go do some shit I wanted to do, so I'm like, all right, I, I made a little bit of time this morning. I'm gonna go fucking fishing, right? Which was going okay until I looked at my fucking phone. <laughs> I saw all the shit and shit I didn't even plan on doing, and people are texting me this and that, and, and there's stupid group chat. I'm like, fuck, fuck. So it kind of and 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 it was one of those things where like repeat people needed stuff. It wasn't like one of those things like I could just ignore like every message I swear I got somebody needed something and it just ruined the yep. whole morning for me where none of that. I could have just not looked at my phone. I could have not brought my phone. But here's the thing. Nobody believes what you caught unless you take a picture of it. So you got to have yep. your phone story for another day. But so I was kind of pissed off about it all day. And then I saw a meme today. Um and they were talking about like they were out on a hike and they're getting work emails about training. And my thought when I read that meme was, well, don't look at your fucking phone while you're hiking. And then I realized I did the same fucking yep. thing. Yep. I, I catch myself doing it all the time, man. Like, and so, you know, I, I was there like I, uh, you know, and I guess with probably most cops, like I, I told you already, like I'm divorced because we all are right. Like ultimately we all get divorced or whatever. I'm not, but fuck you. Okay. Well, okay. Well, fuck me, I guess. But, um, 
you, you know, like I, it, the work like consumes you sometimes because you just it, you're so like used to always being ready. So you just like and especially like for me, small agencies is like really all I know. Like I was in the military, so I have some little bit of like a bigger agency background. But like civilian wise, I've only worked in small agencies and it does like you just you handle so much shit and like you constantly have to know because there's going to be 15 people asking you a question that like you hate like i hated being the unknown um and i always had to know like what was going on to try to like you know be involved in some way and it's just it's not fucking worth it agreed some stuff should wait and and people well nearly nearly everything in our job i I, and i truly believe this nearly i would say 70 percent of the stuff that we do 70% 70% of that stuff can wait. Like that other 30%, like that's emergency stuff. I get it. But like 70% of that, like kind of have to learn to just let go, right? Like it can be handled tomorrow or it can be handled the next time an officer comes out. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to deal with it right then. Officer, why isn't there, why weren't you here 30 minutes ago? Somebody exactly. stepped in my grass. There was a suspicious person. No, Dude, I, I, you would have go, I would no take it a step you have no idea. It is so bad sometimes with the the stuff that people call like our we call it the non non emergency or admin line, and it's it's ridiculous sometimes, man. Like I got stories. Well, I, I was gonna say I would take it a, a step further. I think it's beyond thirty percent. I I think it's like uh ten percent really need to be handled right now. Maybe five percent. Everything else can wait. Yeah, can wait. I would agree. I was low balling, but yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. Okay. So I've I've been bitching enough, but that was my friendly neighborhood reminder to <laughs> fucking don't look at your messages while you're doing something you enjoy. Fucking relax for a little bit. It can wait. Yes. Good message to all anybody, any officers that listen. It can wait. Let somebody else deal with it. If you're off, spend time with your families. Don't uh you know. Don't trust the pizza parties. Just spend time with your families and fucking go about your day and worry about it when you're actually working. So, Benjamin, let's learn a little about you. But first, but first, hold on. I've been bad about asking this because I've been off the booze lately. Are you having <laughs> anything to drink? I am not because, believe it or not, I'm on call. So, Oh, uh, poor fella. If you could drink, what would be your drink of choice? I am a whiskey man all day, every day. Good man. I uh the last time I drank I had some of that tin cup. Have you had that yet? Oh yeah. Yep. Which oh, one? The is... rye? Well, I don't know. Oh. The one that says I don't see, I'm not that far deep into it. I'm like, huh, that looks cool. I'm gonna try it. And the it cool is... bottles get you. The cool bright pretty colors, buddy. Every yep, time. Yep, I get it. Every time. So whiskey. I love whiskey. Off topic. All right, so let's learn <laughs> about you. I have like ADHD, fucking bad. <laughs> That's okay. You gotta get medicated for that. Okay, well, so yeah. let's learn about you. What, uh, yes. Why, why law enforcement? Uh, why did you want to get into law enforcement? Uh, it's it's a long story, man. Like, uh, I'll show my colors a little bit, and like anybody that listens to this knows me, they're already gonna know because I I translate it now because it's like PC to do that. But when I was a kid. Um, I was a huge comic book guy, like before it was cool, right? Before like it became the norm. Um, so I like that that was a big thing. And then I'm actually third generation law enforcement. So like my whole family, um, like my grandfathers and my dad, 
he's a he's a chief deputy. He's been a cop his entire life. I got uncles that are that were in law enforcement. One just retired. Um, my mom she works with like domestic abuse victims. Uh, so like my upbringing was always focused around like helping people. Um, so kind of just grew up around it. It felt comfortable. Like cops were always at the house talking to my dad, uh, talking to me. Like they were very involved in my life growing up. So um, that was a big thing. And then so did that didn't really do much in high school played sports normal iowa whatever stuff and um did what every good 18 year old does uh didn't realize what i wanted to do wasn't quite sold on the the whole cop life uh joined the united states air force and i didn't pick that for any reason um it was just the first door i walked into because i wanted to get out of iowa for a little bit and so i ended up being an mp there because i was like oh that's easy i kind of know i kind of know what that is um, I did that for six years. Uh, didn't do any super high speed shit, um, but you know, made a lot of cool friends. Got to see a lot of the country, other countries, things like that. And then um, got out in 2012, and again was kind of burned out on the whole cop thing. And uh, so I kind of jumped around, job to job for a while there for like two years. Uh, put a lot of strain on my family. Um, couldn't really, nothing was really making me happy anymore, and so. Um, decided to get back into it and immediately started applying at places. And uh, yeah, the rest is kind of history, man. I've been working in small towns. I got certified in like 2014, um, became a chief like four years after certification, which I know is uh, insanity. Uh, my dumbass agreed to take this job uh, without any formal training whatsoever. And so it's been a, like a trial by fire thing, which is why I'm like super comfortable talking about whatever because i've made like tons of mistakes and i've i've seen so much crazy shit in such a short amount of time that like i i'm just kind of free willing it now like i nothing really phases me too much so I, i'm an open book man now i i don't want this to sound condescending at all and you you fucking tell me if i'm wrong about this but you know because you said you're a chief of a four-man department right yep it's probably a little bit different than, you know, some of these bigger departments where most of your job is admin. I be, I mean, basically, you're still a cop, a street cop, but you got a little bit more admin than everybody else does. I mean, is that a fair assessment of what you do or am I being a dick about it? No, 100 percent. Like, um, like I said, I'm on call. So when I go in every morning, like I'm right now, because like every other fucking department in the country, we're short staffed. Like I got an open spot. And one of my guys is in the academy right now. So I'm down half a department. Like it's on me. You know what I mean? So um, I take calls. I do investigations. I pull over cars. Like I do everything that, you know, a patrolman does. I do everything an investigator does. And then I got to come back to the office and handle all the admin stuff, uh, not only for my department, but sometimes even for my city. Right. So like, um, I recently got my master's degree in public administration just because I figured why not. And um, so like now the city leans on me a lot to to handle some of their HR stuff. Uh, we got like a new city admin. So like I don't get the pleasure of just sitting in my office and drinking coffee all day. It's usually, you know, staying on top of everybody else doing what that has to do. And then whatever else the city needs me to do. Do you regret? Do you regret? taking the chief job do you kind of miss just being a grunt or are you cool with that so far um there, it, it goes by days man like with everything else like um you know some days like i still get excited like don't get me wrong like i get a hot call or like our county needs help with something 
um, I still get that, that rush of excitement. Like I still love to play. Um, and I'm still out there like the officers and I, we have to work well together. Like you can't, like, we don't have layers and layers of other people to go through. Like, it's just us. So like search warrants, you know, tactical things when those come up, like I'm very involved in that stuff, but I'm, I'm on the front line. Like I'll always be doorman number one, if it comes down to it, because that's just how I, I how I operate. I don't want to spend a ton of time on your your early policing career, although I'm sure we'll get into that in dumb questions. I really want to kind of key in <laughs> on the on the chief stuff. So how many departments have you worked for total? Uh, civilian wise, I've only worked for two, um, okay. all small departments. One was a two man department. And then um, when I came to where I'm at now, uh, I was just looking for some up. But, I, you know, I'm kind of from the area a little bit, so I didn't want to go too far yet. And uh, they were looking for some leadership uh, just on an officer perspective. Um, we were expanding the department at the time. And the current, the chief that was working at that time was looking for somebody with a little bit of experience to come in and help train some younger guys. Uh, so that's what brought me here. How, how did you end up in the chief spot? What's the, what's the story on that? <laughs> so it's actually a funny story. I thought things were going uh, really well with my boss at the time. Um, he was from Florida and like, so that was another thing that brought me here is, you know, you, you work in these small towns and you don't, you know, my, my boss that worked in this other department, great dude. Like I still talk to him every week. Uh, one of my best mentors ever. He's been a chief, like all over big and small departments. Great dude. Um, I still go to him advice all the time, but um, this guy that took over this town uh, when I was looking at just, you know, exploring, seeing what was out there, he came from Broward County, Florida. He was a Lieutenant. He retired after like 25 years. Um, had an amazing track record, you know, uh, did Metro stuff, task forces, like all these things. And, and so when I went down to talk to him, you know, I was like, well, shit, I, what, what small town Iowa police officer can learn from a guy that like did hardcore shit in, in Broward County, Florida, you know what I mean? So, you know, he talked about his past and stuff and like, I was like, oh my God, like, this is going to be awesome. It, it wasn't as much. I mean, uh, it was not what I expected it to be, but, um, I got, it, it kind of just came out of nowhere. Uh, I didn't know that like Florida has this weird retirement thing, which I guess is similar to like ours where you have to be out of it for so long before you can get back into it. So he was just looking for somewhere to like stretch a dollar for a little bit. And I literally walked in one night on my shift, uh, sat down on my computer. Like I always do. I was checking calls, checking emails. And he calls me in the office. And, and like I said, at the time, we were, we were an upgrade department. So I, I had two officers underneath me and I was like, ah, oh, shit, like what the, you know, what the fuck did they do now? And he closed, he's like, close the door. And I was like, oh, this is good. Oh, this is great. So I sat down and I'm like, what's up boss. And he's like, I got a question for you. And I was like, what's that? And he goes, how do you feel about being chief? Uh, I was like, I guess I didn't, I haven't really thought about it at all. Uh, why? And he's like, well, I put in my 30 day notice. I'm leaving at the end of the month. I'm going back to Florida and I, I'm going to, if you want it, I'm going to put in a recommendation for you, but I need to know by the end of shift. And I was like, what? Uh, I was like, okay. So like I did, I like, I did nothing that entire shift. I just like drove around in silence and like that weird, like stalker silence. Like what the fuck am I supposed to do? Um, And Ultimately, what I ended up doing was I, I decided that I didn't want to risk somebody else coming in. Like I was like, maybe, maybe this is going to be okay, right? Like I, 
I could figure it out. So I called him and I was like, I, I'll tell you what, like, I'll give it a shot. That sounds good. I guess like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And the only piece of advice I got was, Hey man, you'll be good. Just fake it till you make it. And okay. And, and then like, like I said, uh, he was gone 30 days later. And then next thing I know his office cleared out and I'm just staring at a, at an empty office and a computer. And like, this is mine. That was it. That was it. Like there's, there's no like magical story. I didn't like undercut anybody in a blue Falcon, anybody. He was just like, I'm leaving back to Florida. Do you want to do this? And I was oh, okay. I guess so. Wow. That is fucking, that is small town, Iowa. You know, I, and I would, I was completely underqualified. Like if you would have talked to me like seven years ago, I was a monkey fucking football. Like there was no, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have log it. Like it was, it was a mess. What about your skills as a cop at that point? Because at that point, you'd been on the job for like four years. Did you feel pretty confident just as a street cop? Or do you think you were still like in it in the learning phase of that? Uh, I mean, if, if I'm tooting my own horn here. I mean, I thought I, I always thought I was a good cop. I still think I'm a great cop. Like I, I always yeah, I call the gift of gab or whatever. It's been bestowed upon me from my father, who's an amazing investigator in the state. He does like crazy amounts of, of child sex assault and puts pedophiles in jail like weekly i'm glad you um, added the second part of that sentence because i was like what yeah he 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 yeah. is great like in fayette it, you know it, it's it's a crazy place with a lot of calls um but he's like amazing at his job so you know learning from him and others around me you know i've been a I've, i think i've been a good cop um you know so that part never really scares me um it was it was more of you know once i started getting into things like even now, you know, seven years down the road, I, I don't really like, I feel more comfortable going to a shots fired call in rural Iowa by myself than I do sometimes dealing with like politicians, if that makes sense. Like, at least I know where the threat is. Does that make sense at all? Oh yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, I, I think a lot of guys in big cities kind of experience the same thing just in a different way. Right. Like we've always, like I I've always said, and, and I, I think I, I feel like I put this, I don't know. I, I've always kind of had the opinion that the bad guys on the street, like, you know, like, I mean, you don't always know, yeah. but like you have a better idea where like you like the, you know, the blue Falcons on the department, the politicians, you don't always know when they, where they stand and, and you're not, you're not looking to defend yourself. So you're easily stabbed in the back. Oh, and then like my first, my first two years as chief, man, cause like, let's be real. Like you throw a guy like me, and, and like, all I want to do is like be a good cop. And I think I'm doing the right thing. And like the amount of like gotcha politics that would happen in like council meetings, my first two years and having like no, no training and like no, no real guidance on how to navigate that, that whole scenario. Like that was the most, that was the most difficult thing I think I've ever done in my life is trying to figure out. And even then I still don't know half the time what's going on with it, but like politics. Right. Like you, you said, like, what do you mean by gotcha politics? We're like, um, okay. So like, um, at, when I first started, we had this one guy, great cop, right? Smart cop, young, love to do OWIs. Well, it kind of, kind of causes a little bit of a rift in a small town with one bar, right? You start tagging the locals and then it happens. However, you know, I stood by my dude. I was like, nope, we're going to do things the right way. You know, we can't do this thing forever where it's like, oh, that's just Jimmy. He just drives drunk. Like, I'm not doing that. Right. Like, this is my time. We're changing the way we do stuff. You know, we're, we're doing it by the book. We're going to be a real department. And I remember saying that, like, 
we're going to be a real department. Like I'm not playing this game. Like this is my legacy too. Like go at it, do your job. Right. That's, that's what I kept saying to, to my guys at the time is do your job. It's, if, you, if you do your job the way you're supposed to, I will fight until the end of the earth for you. And it got tough. Right. So like you start tagging people and then people start digging into things and it's small town, small town, right? We don't have the luxury. We're like, if I go grocery shopping, like there's a very good chance that I'm going to run into a council member. I'm going to run into a council member's family or somebody that I arrested. I'm going to run into them or their, um, their families. You know what I mean? Like they're going to literally be standing in the line behind me as I'm checking out. So uh, we got to this point where one of my officers kept going to the, to one of the gas stations and, you know, they kept getting approached about like police stuff, right? Things that a patrol officer shouldn't be approached about, right? I'm a pretty connectable guy. Like you can just call a phone and get a hold of me. You know, they were approaching him trying to get data. And so my guy came to me, it was like, it's making me uncomfortable. Like they keep trying to dig. Like, I don't like going in there. I don't like getting gas. They always like corner me. I was like, cool, here's what we're going to do, right? We're going to, we're going to go. We have another town that's like seven miles away. I said, you can go get gas down there. Okay. We're going to, we're just going to cut out the middleman. Um, We're going to cut out the middleman, go get gas wherever you want. And so like, I don't hear anything. This goes on for a couple of weeks and I go to a council meeting again. Everything I think is kosher. Like there's no real like bad agenda items that are like attacking me specifically. And I walk in, they do roll call. And they're like, okay, open comments. And one council member just goes, did you know that your officer is getting gas in another jurisdiction? I said, yes, I did know. And he's like, why is that, chief? I said, well, I said, he's being approached about non-police matters and matters that should come to my desk, not his, not, not to him. And so I gave him the authority to go somewhere else until that stops. And he's like, well, were you aware of a, of a resolution passed in 1967 that states every effort will be made to purchase locally? And so I, it was one of my first moments I can remember where I, my filter snapped a little bit. And I was like, well, I, have, I wasn't conceived yet. So no, I wasn't aware of said resolution from that time frame. And the room kind of like shifted real awkwardly. And I was like, I guess we <laughs> won't do it again. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, oh, so that's it. I'm like, I guess so. Like I wasn't born yet. So I wasn't aware. Uh, I guess we won't do it again then any other questions. And then it like died, but like, it was, it was little things like that, man. Like everyone trying to take an angle. Right. And, and that was tough. Like that ate me up because, you know, I'm sitting here trying to do what I think is right. And it was like every two weeks. Cause we got meetings every two weeks. It was like every two weeks, man, it was just another, bullshit accusation and actually ran a couple of my guys out. You know, they were like, I can't deal with this shit anymore. And, and, and again, with low pay and everything else, they were like, I'm gone. So they left me, you know, and no fault of them. Like I'm not speaking ill. I I gave them good references and I told them I don't blame them one bit, but it kind of left me holding the bag. So, you know, and, and even to this day, that's, that's my biggest issue is like the politics, you know, and, and I've been around enough cops to know that there's not a lot of bad ones out there. I mean, there are, but, you know, especially in like small rural towns, like generally people are here to do a good job. Like they're not doing shady shit. And it, so it was hard to try to figure out how to navigate everything. Um, when you're sitting there, you know, you're on this other side of the fence going, I didn't think this was like egregious, but you got people like screaming at you that it was. So that, that was super difficult for me. I think, um, if anybody wants to, uh, be entertained and see how helpless, sometimes things are in your local jurisdiction 
go to city council meeting, go oh, 100%. to a county commissioner's meeting, you will be floored with the stupidity in the circus yes. type atmosphere. Because I, I, I think, and not to go on like a total rampage rant here, but you know, elections matter. We know that. But I'm going to tell you what elections matter that nobody gives a shit about. Those elections fucking yep. matter because what's happening on your front door is affected by people that you vote for in in these type of these small fucking positions. And I got to be honest with you. I don't know how Iowa is. I don't think it is. But I remember Colorado used to send out a book about like a voter's guide, basically. Right. Uh, but it oh, was okay. always, but it was basically for like the bigger, you know, your Congress people type stuff. It's so fucking hard to, and I would assume it's easier in a small town, but it's very difficult to research these people and actually see where they stand on issues. Right? It's just yes. like, all right, Debbie Sue or Patty Dean. Uh, I don't know, you know, and uh, well, and the, and the other side of that too is like in a smaller town, you're more apt. Like, there's more opportunities for other people to sway votes that you think you have too right like again with a small town you arrest johnny shitbag because he's cousins of council member number two you know what i mean they could be two weeks ago they could have voted 100 percent, you know across the board for you and then the next week it's it's something completely different and you just stand there and you're like what the fuck was that like what happened yeah it's i don't know the these small town time elections are, are problematic and i'm not saying like there's not good people but a lot of times i don't know it, it's here we go okay <laughs> i i i think that a lot of issues we have sometimes in like congress and senators and stuff they vote on stuff they don't understand well guess what yes. that happens in this the smaller uh political sphere county commissioners time talking about things they do not understand and voting on things they do not understand. City council voting on things they don't understand. And I get it. Like a lot of times these people, especially the county commissioners, the city council members, they got jobs, right? They're they're doing this, you know, maybe out of the, the goodwill of their heart or just because they are on a power trip and that's why they're doing it. But they're not experts in any of this stuff. And I think that can be problematic is, you know, we vote on resolutions we don't understand the future impact on them, or we don't even look into the future impact of them. It's, it's amazing. It is amazing in a bad way, I, but I don't want to go. I don't want to spend the whole podcast bitching about um, politicians. I could, I could spend four hours on a podcast oh, bitching sure, about politicians. I'm sure you I could. really and it, could. It, and it probably will come <laughs> up again, but let me, I want to ask about um, kind of step back to you becoming chief. So you're, you know, a younger guy, a, a, a new-ish cop. When you became chief, did you feel like you had the support of the community and, you know, your council, or how did that feel? Uh, I mean, yeah. So, like, again, it helped that I worked in the community, so I knew everybody. You know, again, we're only, like, 1,400 people without the college. So it, it is what it is. I I did enough cases and I'd done enough like PR, I guess, um, you know, put together some programs and things like that when I was an officer that helped. Um, and even to this day, right? Like every town, every agency, big and small right now, like they, everybody's got problems, right? It's just, it's a different problem. Like my problems are no different. It's just on a different scale. 
And uh, so like, I still have the community behind us, you know, uh, we still have that support. Um, sometimes it, it wanes, like I said, it's a roller coaster ride, man. Like this whole job is like a roller coaster, but being at the top, it's like more so like you can have really good months where it's just like, everything is going right and things are going great. And then it's like one thing happens and like everyone focuses on that one minor negative thing, but it's like, you know, we, we as cops, you know, we brush off that negative. So we come across as like, well, that's not that big of a deal. But like, sometimes I even forget, like, that's a big deal to somebody else, you know, that whatever they think is this big, huge deal. And I'm like, that's not that big of a deal. Why are we even wasting our time on this? Why are we talking about this? You know, and I, I have to sometimes take a step back and be like, well, to them, it's a big deal, you know, and try to put myself in their shoes a little bit. Um, but that's, yeah. I mean, the support's there. I think that, um, you know, some of the, the, it's tough right now in a college town. And I, like, I, we're not a big college, um, but like, I shout out to those guys that are working at like, you know, Iowa state or university of Iowa or some of these big colleges, like even ones across the nation, like y'all have my support, like the, the amount of like negative energy sometimes just based on like media attention is astronomical. And it's no different, even in our little area where like, we're, we're constantly at this at this like two steps behind section with almost every interaction. And so that, that makes things a little difficult where we have, you know, it's not something that we didn't even do, right? Like physically my department may have not treated somebody terribly or, or done something on a, on a national level to garner attention, but we still have that stigma that we got to fight against. And, and like people trying to make these small things into more than what they are is, is difficult. But um, your original question, yeah, the, the support's there. I think that the general consensus now across the nation is they're seeing what happens now, you know, when cops start to quit and the calls go unanswered. So I think we're we're on this roller coaster ride up again, um, like after the George Floyd or the Ferguson thing, you know, that was a huge downswing for everybody in the country. Um, but I think we're we're on our ride up and I, I hope it gets better. You did not see the meme I posted today then. Um <laughs> it ain't coming back buddy I, you know and i've heard that i've heard that like you know some of the older heads man like even around here they're like and again it's it's all over the country like i'm not amiss to what's going on in the world and yeah i think that's why a lot of these these old cats that you know shouldn't leave right now are leaving because they just don't want to deal with it anymore you know they're they're at their end and it's like they're they don't want to see that or they don't believe that that's coming but I don't, i'm trying to keep on a little bit of hope at least and we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back to the podcast. Oh, hey there. It's me. I wanted to drop in and thank you for the continued support of the podcast. We're starting to creep into the holiday season. Or I'm lazy and I haven't recorded another one of these. It is the holiday season. It may or may not be the perfect gift, but consider the gift of poorly made police meme. Go over to ghostpatch.com. In addition to all the awesome stuff they have, they also have all my coins and patches. Also, my Teespring store, I got t-shirts, mugs, water bottles, all kinds of cool shit that may be the right gift. Or fuck everybody and buy yourself something nice. I believe in you. And obviously, don't forget about all the people that promote on my page and on the podcast. They're small law enforcement-owned businesses. Your money is well spent there, and they're not going to these fucking corporations that will put up shit to defund the cops and all that crap. So, again, thank you guys for all the support over the last couple of years. I appreciate it. Back to the podcast. Now, my next kind of set of questions is going to be more on 
like an agency, a small agency, because when you said 1400 people, I was like, I'm kind of surprised that a community that small isn't just taken care of by the local sheriff's office, but by the I'm county. assuming because of this, because of the school, probably that's why you have an agency. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, after COVID-19, I mean, the, the numbers fell off pretty hard like they did with most colleges, but you know, when I started working here, they had like 1200 students on campus. So, I mean, we oh, doubled shit. population. We doubled our population eight, eight to nine months out of the year. And we were fucking busy. Um, you know, they ran me ragged. Even when I started here, we were still traditionally, our department was only a two man department for 2,400 people, which is insanity. Um, but we, we contracted out with the university and we basically said like, you know, they had a, like these, uh, rent a cops, like security, like, uh, I forget the company's names, but, um, you know, they were paying all this money for private security guys that would just call us when things got bad anyway. And we're like, you're wasting money. You know, you give us a quarter of that. We can provide you with better. And that's what we've been doing ever since. What this is kind of an interesting prop. Well, let me rephrase that. There are a lot of thoughts on um, smaller agencies and whether or not they should exist. I I kind of see both sides of the argument. I personally, where I land is, I think a community has the right to police itself, right? You know, I, you know, everybody's scared of like a, a federal police force. Like, yeah, every cop yeah. is basically a fed. I, I, I hope that's not something that happens. I, I like that communities can kind of police themselves and pick and choose who they want to police in their community. However, you know, you look at like, you know, some departments are big, so they got, you know, a lot of training and a lot of different people and things like that, where, you know, where you work a four-man department, I I just got to assume you're probably not getting the same level of training as like some of the bigger agencies and you're not getting the same level of pay. So a lot of people say, well, why don't we just make, you know, the, why, why do these smaller agencies even have cops? Or why do these yep. small towns even have cops? Why don't we just have the sheriff's department or the state cover that? What's your take on all that? Uh, so I, again, I'll toot my own horn. I, when I took over this position, like I said before, I did not want to be Barney Fife, right? Like I understood the concept of like small town policing, but at the same time, it wasn't a, it wasn't a pill I wanted to swallow, right? Like, I wanted to make sure that if I was bringing people here that were going to work for me, you know, my idea was even if they leave, like that's still my legacy, right? That's still, I hired them. I trained them. You know, I put them through, I gave them the tools to be successful. And that's how I kind of run that section of it. So like I, I do training all the time. Um, we, we mandate certain training things, you know, we stay up to date as much as possible. Um, and they dedicate a lot of their time. My officers dedicate a lot of their time to make sure that they are experts in their own, you know, independent uh, little niches that they, they like to do. So, you know, I can't speak for every agency, but I do, I, I drain myself and, and I spend money on making sure that they have everything they need to be successful. And I think that that's has to happen more for some of these smaller agencies. You know, I've seen some of the equipment that small agencies have, and it's just like, like, um, you know, no rifle plated vests or anything like that. And, and so back to your original question about, you know, how, how do I feel about it? 
I look at the stats, you know, and I do stats all the time now because I have to. But, you know, I, you would be the general public would be amazed at some of the stuff that we handle, um, not only in our town, but like even our county. Right. We have a great working relationship with the county and we're like the fifth or sixth largest county in the state. But at any given time, they only have like two deputies out and it's a big county. You know, and and they back us up and we back them up. So, you know, there's that other portion of it's not just us, right? Like we stop the the hypothetical bleeding of problems that the county's dealing with from getting to our town, you know, being that proactive agency and, and giving them those tools so that we can sit at the office for a night and not get a single call. Like those are great nights. I love those nights. My officers love those nights. Um, but that's not always the case, you know, and I've got I, you know, I've only been doing civilian law enforcement for like 10 years, but man, I could write a book with some of the shit that we've handled in our little town, you know, and, and especially in the last two years, um, I don't know what the the transition was, but we're getting a lot of, you know, implants from like Chicago and Milwaukee and, and the drugs, like, um, there's actually a town next to me that has a book written about it called Methland, And it was like the meth capital of Iowa back in the early nineties when home cooks were still making their shit. And so like all of that still kind of lingers in our working area. So, you know, when people say, well, you know, cause I have, I've had systems be like, I don't understand why we even have a department. And I, I openly invite them down. I'm, Come on down. You know, we, we have body cams like everybody else. I would love to show you some videos of what we dealt with just last week, you know, and, and see the amount of like, um, which I've done. I've showed citizens like, look at the guns that we've taken off. Look at all the drugs that we, you know, we've seized just in our little community that is just traveling through or staying, you know? So it's gotten to the point where it needs to be said more for these small towns. Like we need to be a little bit more transparent and say like, you do need us, right? Like, cause if you don't, like I said, the County's only got two deputies out that the coverage isn't there and it's no fault of them, but they're, they're constricted by their own budget too. So they've only got two, two deputies out. You know, what kind of coverage are you wanting for your town? Because they're just going to take those emergency calls and then they're going to go about their merry way and go on out. There's, they're not going to do all these extra things that we do. So, you know, it boils down to, to what you really want from that agency. You know, it, it, it ultimately does. It boils down to money. Right. It, it's all, it always boils down to money. Every, everything in our career is always going to boil down to money. You know, and I, and that was another argument too that, you know, people have made is, well, you know, if it's a state agency or the, the sheriff's department, they'll probably pay more and, and that kind of stuff. And I don't know. I, I think it's kind of a simplified view on the issues. You know, it's, it's a complex issue, right? I, yeah, it's, there's no like cookie cutter answer. You can't just be like, well, this happens. We'll do this instead. And I'll just say too, you know, like I, I made the point of, you know, we, we were saying that, oh, well, the small town guys aren't trained as well. And that's not necessarily always fair. Well, that does happen sometimes. Let's be yeah. honest. A lot of the bad shit that has happened in law enforcement are huge agencies or bigger agencies. They're not the four man departments. Right. The four man departments and the two man departments are not making national news on a regular basis, are they? 
No, and I think that, you know, because of that, it's because of the involvement that everybody has, you know, and and I think that the smaller agencies and, and even just from some of the small examples, right, we are so under the goddamn microscope every single day that we roll into town, right? Every time we're, everyone knows what squad car I drive compared to what squad car, you know, well, obviously my canine, because it says canine aside, but like even my other officer, like, you know, the townsfolk know who's working. You know, and and especially now in the age of like body cams and everything being recorded or just even knowing that, you know, some Jagamo is going to pull his phone out and try to poke you to get a reaction. Well, the small time, like we're used to that. You know what I mean? We're we we do that all the time, like with the gotcha politics and everything else. You know, we're just so used to everyone watching us that, you know, stuff like this with these big agencies, it doesn't fall through the cracks. Right. Because we're just it's a smaller thing where where everything kind of gets shown a light on it a lot quicker and it doesn't have time to fester, um, which is statistically speaking, you know, when you see these things that hit the national news, like I'll pick on uh, the guy in the, the George Floyd thing. Like when that started coming out, DOJ started doing their investigation. Like the guy had tons of complaints, you know, filed on him for like use of force and, and breaking policy. And it's like, why did you just let it run through the system constantly? You know, and, and areas like us, like if you're a shitty cop that does shady shit, you get exercised by not only your community, but like all the good cops around you. Cause we don't want to be a part of that. You know what I mean? We don't want to be associated with you because like we have kids that go to school here. Like I said, we're my kids go to school with kids that I've arrested. You know what I mean? You can't do that sort of thing. And, and like, get it swept under the rug per se, which I'm not saying happens all the time, but you know, when these things come up, it just doesn't happen around here. Cause we can't, we can't afford it. How do you keep people at a small agency like that? Or do you um, keep people? There was a time when I had a hard time. And, and a lot of that was, again, it was, you know, council involvement. Um, and, and you can do everything right from a chief perspective like you can have your guys back and you can fight for them and get them good equipment but sometimes enough is enough and so like my like i said my first first i don't know four years was kind of a revolving door like three four years um you know i would lose an officer to a better paying department every year and a half um or it would just become too much that they'd go somewhere else where they can just be a cop um so I, I had to take a step back and look at it and, and answer that question. Like how, cause I, like I get stuck with it, right? Like, again, if I'm down half a department, guess who gets all the on-call this guy. So like, I got tired of working all the damn time, tired of answering the phone all the time. Cause that was the expectation. And so I had to take a step back and be like, how the fuck do I keep people here for more than a year? And so I had to convince uh, politicians to start doing like, extra programs that would ultimately keep people here. Like our first one was the dog. Um, I had an officer that, that grew up training dogs and that's what they wanted to do. And so I had to take a good hard look and and say, look, you know, it, I, I think you're a good cop. I think that you can do this, but you know, it's a, it's a commitment. You know, that dog is going to be with you for a while, which means you're going to be here for a while. Cause that dog is city property. And so you know, we got that done and, and it was a, it was a win-win, right? Great for us. Cause we have a dog now, which is outstanding. Um, but then it also kept somebody here and they've been here for like five years now. And so that to me is a huge win. So then I started expanding on that, right. Um, started looking at 
what other programs can I offer? Even if it, it comes at a lower cost, like how do I, how do I get them to stay by giving them what they want? So that's what I've started doing is, is kind of ha- putting it on the officers, right? Like once they get through the Academy and they get a little bit more wet, um, they start working the road a little bit, you know, and I always say it takes about like a year and a half to two years to find that niche, right? Everybody has a thing that they like. Um, once they find it, I just sit them down. I'm like, what do you want to do with it? Right? Like you help me. Let's figure out a plan. Like, do you want to be an expert in this? Like I'll pay for the training, but, but you know, if, if we get it going, I need you to stay here. And, and so I've been kind of successful on that. Like I got one officer, um, like I said, the canine been here for five years. I've got another officer, um, that was here for like four, but I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't compete with the money, which I don't blame the guy. Right. Some of these departments now are just throwing buku amounts of cash towards everybody. And like towns like us, we just can't compete with that. So there are some outline factors, but I, I think it's just about like listening to the officers now. Like it's a different breed from when I came in and, and like giving them the opportunities to do whatever it is they want to do within reason, you know, and working together saying like, okay, you want to do this. How do we make it work for everybody? You know? And, and so like, um, Believe it or not, we just started a drone program. So I've got, you know, myself and another officer, we're getting drone certified, you know, so that gets them out of town when it's needed and things like that. And, and it's good for us, right? It's good for the the community as a whole in our area, but it keeps them here, which is the, the ultimate goal is like, you know, support them and say, I want to do this with you. I want you to be successful, but please don't leave me. And And I know, you know the answer to this, but you know, keep them, right? Uh, money, vacation, and time off. I assume the the city's not really wanting to do that. No, and it's been a struggle. Like the last two years, again, there's been a tremendous shift in like this grand um, flip of like what these metro agencies, especially because obviously, right, they got tax bases. They have way more revenue coming in. And like, you know, throwing $10,000 sign-on bonuses, we start you at $80,000 and you know, we're over here barely scrapping the surface, you know, and again, trying to get those politicians to like, listen, you know, they look at you or they look at me, I guess, to say like, why are these people leaving? You know, and you tell them like, here's the facts. It's money. It Like I have everything else. It's just money. And they're like, oh, it's not money. It must be something else. And you're like, no, fuck face. It's money. Like I'm. That's it. Like, it's just money. If you just paid more, we wouldn't lose people. And so it's like that false, uh, what is it? Um, a false intelligence anointed by the power of election, right? Like I'm right, you're wrong. And you're going to listen to me because I was elected. And, and that that's a hard pill to swallow. They, they think people can live on the salary that you start your officers out on. Like they think that's like a normal wage. Cause like I, I live in Iowa too, man. And that I mean, you might as well just go work at fucking high V because you're going to make about the same amount of money. And that's just it. Uh, you know, we had an officer here that um, the one that's in the academy. Um, they were doing these prison houses, like bringing them in pre-made. And um, so they they offered one of these low income. And I, you can't see me. I'm doing air quotes, low income housing. And our officer was like, I'd love to buy it. And he like the bank wouldn't even approve him at his current rate. And that was, I came back and I even like, again, in my first presentation months ago, asking for more salary, you know, I told him like he wanted to live here 
and wanted to buy a house in the community. And his bank says he doesn't make enough money to live in the town that he's currently policing. Like how much sense does that make to you? And, and so that's the struggle right now is like trying to find a way to compete with all these other agencies. They're just throwing buku bucks. Cause like, you know, I don't know the agency size you work in, but like every Metro agency, they're down like crazy amounts of positions like 20, uh, 15, and they're like recruiting them right out of the academy. Like, just come work for me and I'll, we'll pay you. We'll start you out at like 80,000 certified. And, you know, I got officers going like, why wouldn't I take that money? And I can't, I can't give them a reason because I can't get the wages up. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's one thing if you know you're a small town guy to say, hey, I'd rather not work in, you know, a Des Moines or a Council Bluffs or whatever, because I, I don't. I'm not a city guy. I don't really care about that much money, but it's also about a livable wage, which I know a lot of people yeah. scream about, but we're talking about like being a cop, having a badge and a gun, being able to take people rights away temporarily. And yeah. you're going to pay them, you know, around the poverty. The same amount you can like, make it the same, the same that they get paid at McDonald's to flip fucking burgers. Yeah. You know, and we're like, sending them in to fucking shitty situations and they're doing it willingly and you're, you know, you, you want to skirt the system over like a couple grand. And it's, it's absolutely bananas to me how, you know, you can sit there and like beg and you have to beg somebody to like pay attention to what's going on. And like the world is changing, you know, and, and for me being a chief and like, again, working the road too, like, I'm not, I'm not fortunate enough to sit behind a desk and be like, Oh man, it sounds like a bad call and sip my coffee and go about my day. Like, you know, I'm out there with them and, and I'm talking on behalf of like every small town chief, like we're out there doing the same thing and you, you can't, you're not even giving them a livable wage to like care for their family, but they're still showing up to work every day, six to two, eight to four, whatever. And it's like, God bless you, but go get more money, man. Like at this point, like just go. What about you? Have you thought about saying, fuck this? I want to I want to make more money and maybe I want to not have to worry about being a chief. Have you thought about moving along? I have. It, it's a constant struggle because, like I said, I still love the job and I don't think that part of me will ever go away. Um, and I don't think it matters what size of agency I'm going in because that's just not how like that. And it sounds like cliche, but like that's not how my old man operated. Right. Like he still answers calls, too. And he's like the chief deputy. You know, he still does all the investigations basically himself. And so, you know, I, I struggle with that because I know it would be easy, but the part of me that tells me not to is like having that control that I know I'm creating a good product, you know, and, and being able to do it here, you know, it sucks losing people, but at the same time, you know, if I keep bringing people in and, and they're getting hired at these major agencies and they're doing fucking great things and they're being good cops like at the end of the day, it's like, well, maybe that is my purpose. I don't know. Right. Like nothing's off the table, but I just, I, I've applied at some other places to be the chief, which didn't work out. Um, but I'm not, I'm not super salty about it, to be honest with you. Um, I just, I, I just, I, all I want is more money. Right. Like, and I think that, again, most departments are the same. Like we just need more money to handle what's going on. Like, if we could do that, then I'd be happy. I'd be a lot happier than where we're at right now. But, you know, I have a good team, which helps. And the people around me are good. 
So, you know, there's, there's silver linings everywhere. It's just, sometimes we don't look at that as often as cops. Cause we're just so like ingrained to deal with the worst shit ever that we tend to f- like focus on the negative all the time. So I try to bring myself out constantly to be like, it's not that bad. Like I could always have it worse. You know what I mean? So yeah, it, I, it's I a difficult you. thing. Well, and, and I think that small agencies have kind of always been as long you know what? This isn't fair because I can only say this from my perspective, from what I've seen growing up, you know, around law enforcement and being in law enforcement. It seemed like for a long time, smaller agencies kind of always were the minor leagues. As yeah. far as like guys would go there to get certified and then try yep. to lateral to the bigger department. Now, there's always exceptions, right? Like you've got the guys that are like the, the hoppers that'll They'll go to one agency, get in trouble, hop to another small agency, get in trouble, hop to yeah, another. You know, yep. those guys exist out there. And then you have your lifers too, right? You got the guys that are like, all right, I'm happy here. I like it here. I make yep. enough money here. You know, I I can tell you, you know, for from a guy looking to get back in out here in Iowa, different part of Iowa, the wage is better than what you told me, but not like way way better i mean if i was yep. a single guy by myself i'd be like okay but i i couldn't support my family just on a, a police officer salary here there's no fucking way yep yeah and it's a struggle everywhere you know and you know it's the money it's it's always going to boil down to money and it's frustrating too because you know you don't want to do things that like create extra money right but sometimes they're of necessity you know like tickets or revenues uh things like that but you know, I, I don't know. It's a part that I struggle with about feeling for the people, for the, you know, the road guys, uh, the road gals, all of them. You know, it's it's a tough thing to sit there and, and constantly be shit on for like no money. Right. And that's the biggest struggle in the last year that I've had. I've had to figure out or try to figure out is like I've asked like my my canine officer. I'm like, why? You know, I know as you said I said you kind of have to be here for the dog. But I'm like, what what are you doing? Like you're good at this. You could literally go anywhere else and make more money, you know? And, and it's just, it, I don't understand it. I, I don't have a quantitative answer right now because it just doesn't make sense. You try to, you know, like when you talk to council members or your boards or whatever, and you're sitting there like giving real information, like nobody lies, like cops aren't liars. You know, we're showing you stats like, Hey, they're doing this next door. We should probably follow suit. And they're like, yeah, yeah I don't, I don't think so. That doesn't work for us. And then they leave and then they look at you and they're like, well, what happened? And it's, I, I told you this was going to happen six months ago and you didn't believe me. And so again, constantly shifting or kicking the can down the road, thinking it's just going to fix itself and not making a proactive measure to fix it. You said something that, uh, that got my attention as far as revenue. And I've said on this podcast before, if your police department requires revenue from speeding to exist, you probably shouldn't exist. And yeah, I know exactly. that's not that's not what I said. Or I'm sorry, that I know that's not what you said exactly, but that is something I, I'm kind of passionate about. Like I I I don't care if people get tickets if they deserve them, kind of thing. I'm all for exactly. that. But I yeah, I really hate the idea of there are agencies out there and guys out there that are like, Well, I gotta write this ticket because we need the money, because that is the fucking that's the worst you know that it is the, it's the it's the fucking worst because you're doing it for the wrong reasons 
You know, I think that like I've done tons of interviews, like, you know, I'll tell you the first thing, uh, the first thing that'll disqualify you with me is like, if you're like, well, I want to arrest bad guys, like just leave, right. That'll come in time. Like you gotta be, you gotta want to do this job nowadays for the right reasons. Right. And if your sole purpose on life, well, I I, I get it to, I get it to its extent, (laughs) right. Yeah. Uh, Logistically, it makes sense, right? Like that's part of the fun. But at the same time, you know, you got to have good reasons to do this shit. Otherwise, you're just going to get ate up and it's going to be miserable. And who wants to be miserable for 25 to 30 years of their life? You know, you're not like going to work and saying, hey, Bob, how was the weekend at the lake? Like that doesn't happen. It's like, hey, Bob, how's that death investigation going? Oh, pretty shitty. You know, those are the typical conversations that happen. So I don't know. It's just a weird thing. Well. I wanted to jump in and talk a little bit. I want to talk about, um, you know, your hiring pool. Cause I'm, I could be wrong, but I'm sure it is a little bit interesting. Fuck. What the hell was I going to talk about? We were talking about, um, eh, shit. The moment is gone. Like our garbage like recruitment because we don't pay enough. Is that what you were getting at? No, there was something else I was going to talk about. It's gone. It's gone forever. Don't worry about okay. it. If it if it happens again, it'll come back. But I get real quick. Let me jump in and and talk about because I'm curious about your hiring processes. Oh, I remember what I was gonna say. Okay. I, I was gonna say that there was a time this is poorly made. There was a time that you could maybe get away with paying a little bit less. Because people really, really wanted to do it. Really, yeah, were like, yeah, like I'll ten years ago it. when I, I will suck a dick to be a cop, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where, yeah, and and it was a lot harder to be a cop, right? Because because there was a lot of people applying. Oh, dude, yeah, like when I when I got back into the civilian side of things, like I said, this was like early 2013, and um, like even that small department I started, they were one position. You know, two two officer department, and I had like twenty one applicants against me. You know, and and so there was a huge ass pool to pick from, um, and you had to be a shining star, like you know, because you got twenty one apps. If you're not the best, like they're gonna pick the best because everybody wants whoever's gonna fit well with them. And so, like even my little agency that I started at, you know, it it was tough. Like the interview process was tough. Uh, going through everything and like navigating that whole thing was difficult and it was just a different time. And now, you know, it's kind of like a beggar's game. It's like, we're the prettiest girl at prom, please date me instead of like trying to find the best. Like we, and a lot of agencies and, and I'll, I'll sit on this, I'll die on this hill if I have to, but like a lot of these agencies, um, especially like bigger ones where you're seeing a lot of these problems, these guys that are like in the national news I think that stems from these low records and they're literally just taking anyone like they're taking anyone that, that can pass the PT that can maybe have a questionable MMPI. And they're like, Oh, we can fix it. This will be fine. And then like two years later, it's like bad shit. And so like, you know, we can't, I can't afford that here. And, and so our process like, experiment. You sure. Thought experiment. Okay. I didn't mean to cut you off though. You can finish. Your thought no, you're good. Thought experiment. Okay. Now you have a master's and you probably know what a thought experiment is. And I'm just making yeah. this up as I go. Okay. But I know Iowa. 
I know Iowa is one of those states where in order to get into the academy, you have to pass, you know, the, the Cooper standards, right? Yep. Right. Okay. So as chief, I feel like we're doing this backwards because I want to talk about your candidates in a minute. But as chief, let's say you have two people apply for a position, right? Okay. And you interview them first ahead of time. The first guy is fucking stupid, but he is <laughs> a fucking fit monster, man. That guy is fucking jacked and as fast as a fucking rabbit. The second guy is not stupid, a little more intelligent, probably going to be able to understand laws and, and use common sense. Okay. But he's just, he's kind of like slow as a turtle, right? So the rabbit, Oof. he passes his PT. No problem. No problem. The turtle, he misses his run by 30 seconds. You cannot take the turtle. Yeah. So this, this has actually come up a couple times. And I will continually. If So I do things a little bit differently. Um, I don't skirt the test. You have to pass the test. Like. I'm a new, uh, by all all things considered, I'm like fairly new to the whole chief game across the state, and I'm not about to take the fall for like any random person. So oh, you've got to pass. And I want to, I want to just throw out there, that I do believe in the physical. Like you should be able to fucking. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Piece of shit. I'm just, I'm just throwing that scenario out there, right? <laughs> like thirty seconds off the run, or a fucking dude that's gonna murder somebody for saying something wrong. You know. Yeah, and that's so it saying. boils down to like what risk you're willing to take. And, and I'll tell you what I found is way more successful is like, so again, and not, I don't think many major agencies really have the ability or the affordability to do this, but so like you apply for my agency, right? Any of your app, any of my applicants, the first thing you got to do before we even start the like formal interviews or anything is you actually have to do ride alongs, at least one ride along with every single one of my people that are currently employed. And, and if you don't do that, I don't even look at you. Right. If you can't follow the simple direction to just donate a quick four to eight hours of your time because you want to do it, then you're not worth my time. So before we even go forward, you got to come ride with my officers because I'll tell you right now, they're going to tell my officers more shit than they'll ever tell me. Because if I get them down to my office, they're going to be like, I love Fayette. It's my dream job. I love it here. The community is great. Your pay is amazing. I will never leave you. And that just and I know it's bullshit. But if you sit down with one of your peers, like they're more apt to open up a little bit. And I'll tell you, if if my people don't like you, then you're not getting a call, right? Not at all. So once we get past that portion, then we'll open it up. We'll do the testing. I, If I have an applicant that I just feel is the best fit and like they're, they're going to do good things and they're like 15 to 30 seconds off, we'll retest them again in a week. And I'll tell them like you get like two chances right? Two to three chances. If you don't pass it, then we're moving on. And so we kind of just, I just put it into the, into their hands and I'm like, you better start running. You better get training. You better start doing whatever you got to do. And when you come back here in two to three weeks or a week or whatever, you better pass that test or, or you're not going to the next step. So I won't skirt the, I won't skirt the lines of it, but I'll put it in their hands and be like, you know, if you want this, like my, my officers want you to work here. They've advocated for you. They said they got good vibes. Like you know, whatever the case may be, you know, this, we want you, but you gotta, you gotta put in the work because 
and, and it's been fairly successful uh, because again, you know, if, if they hear that, I feel like they actually put in a little bit more of the work and they, they're not in that unknown land. Um, but that's kind of how we run stuff. I, I, I don't want to assume the risk, right? Like you said, with your, your scenario, like that beefed up dude, they can murder a mile and a half and, and knock out a hundred pushups, but you're like, he's going to like, somebody looks at him wrong. We're going to go contempt of cop and I'm going to have a complaint every other fucking Tuesday about some use of force thing. Like I can't, I don't want to deal with that. You know what I mean? So it, it's just a vibe thing. Really? I mean, you can have a, I, I'm sure you've said the same thing. Like my master's degree is nothing, right? If I was a douche canoe, no one would take me seriously anyway, even with 14 fucking master's degrees. So, you know, it, it comes down to like, do other cops, like, do they want to work with you? You know, do you give them that vibe that you want to learn and you want to, you know, listen and, and follow directions and, and be a team player, or you just want to like write a bunch of tickets and be an asshole. And if I, if your option is option B, then you can go be somebody else's problem as far as I'm concerned. All right. So I got to know small town, bad pay i assume right now the the hiring pool is pretty bad like when you when you put out for your latest opening how many applications did you get um trying to think here so we've actually been open for like six months um and i think initially within the first couple weeks you know we had like four i think maybe five you know and and again um if you're looking at the statistics side of it, we haven't even tested anybody yet because like I said, my rule is you got to come down and you got to sit with the officers. They got to get a good vibe from you. You know, they have to be able to say like, I want to work with this dude. And so we had a couple come down and um, it did not go well. Um, you know, it's not good when I get a text message from one of the officers being like, I kicked him out early. No go, you know, or red light. Uh, we're not doing this. And, and, you know, so like if you can't even entertain somebody for four minutes, what the fuck are you going to do at a domestic situation? What are you going to do at a hot call? Are you just going to be a fucking soup sandwich uh, the whole time? Like that's kind of how I look at it. So if you can't win over another cop within four hours, at least a little bit to the point where they feel remotely comfortable, um, it, it just never panned out. And so like then you get trickles, right? You start putting shit out on like Indeed or Monster. And so you get like the people that are unemployment. You know, and you burn your time up on that, trying to hunt it down to see if it's actually legit um, application because they they have to apply at so many places to get their unemployment money. So, like over the course of time, we just get trickles in. But yeah, like nobody nobody has followed the directions or willing to um, just put in that little extra, you know, to really sit down and and talk to the people to see if they even want to work here. You know, we always talk like as agencies, we always talk about like we want you, but like, they have to want to come here too. So like, you know, and I tell them that when I tell them what's going on, right? Like you got to ride with my people. And here's the reason why I want you to ride with my people, because it's not only, you know, them that have to sign off, it's you too, right? Like why waste your fucking time going through all this training and coming here and then realizing you hate working with the people you work for and you're just going to leave or be miserable. Like nobody should live like that. So, you know, we just haven't had the applicants and and right now, like I attribute ours to just low pay. You know, we have good equipment. We have good programs. We're a proactive department. Um, we have good numbers, but we just don't have the pay. God, that is just gotta be, it's frustrating, you know, and I've talked to you for like an hour now. 
it's fr- like I'm frustrated for you. Like the solution to your problem is there. Now, I don't know what the city budget looks like. I mean, maybe they legitimately don't have any more money to give. I don't know. But the solution is there like that. That is how you solve this problem is by bumping the pay up so you can actually get people to be cops. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's part of my job, too, to be like fiscally responsible for the city. Right. Like I I've been here long enough that it's not me coming in off the street from some other like you know, a department that has like a $4 million operating budget. Like I know what my numbers are. I know what I, what I'm capable of, you know, and I'm not asking like my officers need $200,000 a year and full benefits. You know, we're not asking, you know, and I'm sure that the other small town chiefs that I've talked to, none of us are asking for astronomical numbers, right? We're, we're well within reason. And I think that's the most frustrating part is, you know, you have people that you're currently employing to say, we can do this. Right. Like we're fiscally, we're saying that it's possible, but you still don't want to forego that little bit of control and extra money when we're telling you, you can do this and not be horribly indebted, right? To the, to the government of the state or whatever the case may be, wherever you get your money. Um, so yeah, it's, it's super frustrating, man. Cause like you've got good people that you just don't want to see go somewhere else. You know, especially for me, having somebody there that's been here or somebody that's been here for five years, you know, or, or three years or or has a great resume and, and works great in the public. You know, that's a big thing. And wanting to show up and be here, you know, and, and not listening to the recommendation is somebody that you're already paying saying this is possible. Like, here's the solution. Here's how it's going to happen. And here's, you know, everything that goes with it. And the answer is still no. And it, it's super frustrating. Oh, yeah, dude, I just, what do you do? You know, I wanted to, not to like go to ADHD on you, but when you sent me uh, the message advocating to be on the podcast, you said something about hating stupid cops. And I was like, oh, there's a story behind that. (laughs) Yeah. So like, I'm not going to say names, but there's a current cop that just got convicted of a bunch of like shady shit um in clarksville we'll just leave it at that and uh, i actually knew the guy and like you know it was one of those things man i went to the academy with this dude he worked in a town next to me for the longest time and like he was just a shady motherfucker and i sat there and you know i i got kind of chastised a lot for like treating this dude like a piece of shit but like i didn't trust him right like as cops like i feel like law enforcement as a whole, especially after like three years, even that early, I think like most of our intuitions are pretty fucking spot on, right? Like you deal with enough shit bags, you get lied to enough that you just like, we can all make pretty accurate judgments of somebody within like 30 seconds, right? Like we kind of know, even if they fool you for the first 30 seconds, it's like a minute and a half later. You're like, Oh, there it is. That's what I was looking for. I knew it. And, uh, God, I just, the guy, I, I tried to, get him gone and it just didn't work. And then it ended up blowing up. And I, I hate seeing it like in our state, especially, especially cause like, again, it's like the George Floyd thing and the, uh, the Ferguson thing, like bad shit follows us wherever we go. That black cloud follows us all over. Even if it wasn't us, we're still wearing the uniform. So we're then viewed as the enemy and it like constantly, it's like 10 steps forward, 30 steps back always. And like, yeah, it just, it frustrates the shit out of me when you have guys that are put in this like 
great position of power, right? And you said it before, like we are like the only career in America that we have the ability to like take your rights away and or in a horrible scenario, your life, right? Like name another job that that has that power and like watching people abuse that power is the most frustrating fucking thing on the planet. Yeah, I was lucky. Like I worked around some dudes that like skirted policy, you know, and um, that's not what I'm talking about. Let's be oh, real. no, I know we've but all he, skirted policy once in a while. Yeah, there's skirting policy and then there's just like fucking ramming it over, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I get bending kind of things and it wobbles a little bit, that line. But I I've I've said on the podcast before, like you can't you can't tell me with a straight face that you're going to fairly enforce the rules of uh, your county, your country, you know, your city, whatever, but you can't even follow the basic policy and procedure with your agency. You know what I mean? Like yep. there's yep. there's an ethical issue there. Now, do I like all the policies and procedures that my old agency had? No. I thought a lot of them were fucking stupid and useless. However, ethics, being ethical about it, I can't, with a straight face, bend those rules and then go after people for bending the rules of our society. That's not how this should work at all. No, it, it can't work. Like, and especially for us, like we are looked upon as like the problem solvers of the world, even if it's not our problem we created, right? That is our sole purpose. And even more so now, like, you know, being an officer and then being in charge, like the amount of hats, right. That we have to wear now is astronomical. Like all the mental health shit that's going on. Um, you know, the amount of just absolute, the, the, the dumpster fire that is America right now, like we are it. We are the only ones that are picking up the pieces across the board every day, every day. And like, you know, I don't know. I won't, I don't know if like promotion is cool on here, but like, if you haven't read the book called left of bang, like I highly suggest it. Um, it's a mandated reading in my department. I give every officer that I hire a, a copy of it and I tell them to read it because like part of that book tells you like the, the nine rules of human nature and I can pull them up, but it's, it's very good. Right. And like, Generally, if you speak generally, the, the public is clueless about what goes on on a day to day because they just don't want to know. Right. And and like small towns or, or other ages, like there's you, everyone's got that Billy Bob or whatever that like always comes down with like the fucking nine thousandth complaint about a long lawn or the dog that got loose. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like the the actual shit of the world that we shelter from the communities. You know, and no one asks the questions like, what are you really doing? Like, no one wants to know, right? And, and like agencies do their press releases and people hit the like button. But do they really understand like what goes into those press releases? Like what actually happened, right? We always give the little blurbs like, you know, on this date, this person got arrested for this. And, you know, they're always proven innocent until proven guilty in a court of law or whatever. And and people laugh and comment and have fun. But like no one ever, like the the general population doesn't sit down and they don't really like look at like everything as a whole, right? Um, 
And they just go about their day. They go get their Starbucks. They go drink their coffee. They go back to work and talk about their weekend. And they just don't want to know. And I think that, you know, part of that problem is they should know, right? Put it on their doorstep and understand, like, and it comes back again to like keeping a small agency in, in a town of my size. Like you have no idea. You don't know what, what today holds. Right. And, and like some of the shit that we've dealt with in like this last six months, I've, I've literally sat in my office, taken my vest off and like whispered very lowly, like, what the fuck was that? Like, where did that come from? Like, I, that was nine o'clock on a Tuesday. And and now you're putting somebody into the pavement because they're searching for aliens and they wanted to fight. Like, this shit doesn't happen in everyone else's day jobs. And and no one asks the questions about, like, what actually is happening in their communities. We're going to have a uh, we're going to have a discussion on ignorance is bliss because i was i was thinking about this the other day it came up in a podcast review and i don't remember the context of it but i think it, it's fitting in the in this conversation here i sometimes i don't know if you feel this way but sometimes i wish i knew less because i feel like i'd be happier right yeah but the same time, do you not have a responsibility to know everything that you can possibly know to be better? Do you know what I'm saying? It's kind, it's of? kind of a fucked up thing. I, I don't know. Like, I, I just remember riding around two man with my buddy a long, long time ago. It just you'd see how people kind of went about their day. And you go, God, I wish and this is going to sound fucking meat and crude, but I wish I was stupid. These fucking yeah, people are like, fucking like, happy. They are so like fucking happy. is bliss kind of a thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I wish I didn't fucking know this stuff. I wish I didn't know any of this. Yeah. I just wish. And that that is one of my things, I, I think, with law enforcement that I, I would probably tell my kids if they decided to follow in my footsteps is you're giving up a piece of ignorance, which is. Yeah. Good and bad, depending on how you look on look at it. I just I I feel like I was happier before I saw everything that comes with law enforcement. And that's a lot of different things. You know, that's the underbelly of society. That's the you know, the politicking and human nature and the blood and the guts and everything, all that stuff. You see it on a minute scale, a very minor scale, you know, throughout life, but you you get it under a microscope as a cop and so that would that's to me that i think the hardest thing about being a cop is those things that you're made aware of that you wouldn't even fucking think about if you did whatever as a job you know what i'm saying yeah i mean like you said it perfectly man like whatever innocence you kind of had like you lose it initially but as time goes on like you continue to lose that 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 ignorance of what is really going on. And you, you know, you always hear stories. Like you talk to the old cops, like, you know, where do you always sit in the restaurant? You always sit facing the door. Like these, all these little things that, you know, are minute that you said, but it all comes crashing into reality. Cause you do, you lose the ignorance, you lose the bliss. You're always looking for the angle, like the, you know, what's the soft target. Am I a hard target? Like, you know, think about like, you know, uh, going to the mall with your kids. 
you know, and you're, you're constantly scanning everywhere you're going. You can't really enjoy yourself anymore because you're constantly like aware of what's going on. And, and you are, you're, you're no longer ignorant to the shit that's going on that, you know, and, and I, again, read this book, man. Like I tell everyone, read this book. Cause they do studies where they go to like fucking times square and they sit on a bench and, you know, every day they sat there for 30 days, every day they became a little bit more overt when they were like following people. Right. So like what day one, they just sat on a bench and watched. And then at the end, they get to the point where like, they're literally following people talking about what they're wearing. And and those people ignore it completely. They don't even acknowledge it. You know, they're just, they, they know what's happening, but they don't, they don't care. Ignorance is bliss. They're not talking about me to talk about somebody else. And, and, you know, law enforcement doesn't have that luxury anymore We're we're always looking for, you know, what's going to happen next. Are we safe? Are we not safe? Like it, it's a tough, tough thing. And like, I'm a huge advocate for like mental health, like reach out to your people because like right now the world is, it's a dumpster fire. It, there are things coming across to people's doors and, and like, you know, I get that some cops have the ability to like cut calls and, and fucking keep it for third shift or whatever. But you know, for the most part, somebody has got to fucking deal with that. And it, we're thrust into it, whether we want to or not. And we're just forced to deal with it and pick up the pieces and, and come up with solutions. And it's a tough thing. Like no wonder the recruitment right now is, is shit. Cause you know, who would want to do this anymore? Dumbasses like me. So <laughs> let's, I, I want to get into some of the, uh, the fun stuff. And I actually, I do, you guys didn't disappoint me. I actually have an officer of the podcast. So we're going to do that in a second, but you're following up if I'm if I'm thinking right a podcast where a kid went to his department and said he was having a hard time and had been kind of thinking about suicide and the thanks he got was being shit canned how have you Fucking... ran into that or how would you like if a guy came to you and said hey man I'm fucked up I've been kind of having suicidal thoughts would his job be in jeopardy with you as a chief and I'm not asking that like as uh like a Chris Hansen gotcha moment. <laughs> Maybe there's something that I'm not thinking of uh, that a chief would have to be worried about. How would you handle a situation like that? Well, the the first answer is unequivocally no, right? Um, I, I think that's a horseshit response to be like, you know, somebody finally gets the the moxie to like reach out to like, and it doesn't even have to be a chief, right? Like in a larger department, somebody reaches out to like, a sergeant or a lieutenant, you know, and then we have to do this big fucking parade of like, what's the problem? Well, you know, and, and as cops, we we tend to do this thing, man. We're like, we like to give advice based on our own life experiences, which is fine. But sometimes we kind of undermine like the problem at hand, right? Sometimes people aren't coming to you for a solution, like, especially when it's other cops. Right. And so like, I haven't had like legit experiences. Only one time um, I had an officer that was going through a rough time and they, they hadn't reached the epitome of like telling me they had suicidal thoughts, but it was to the point where, you know, you could kind of tell that it was a thought, right? They didn't say that, but you were like keying on them certain words. And, you know, I didn't do the right thing. I gave life experience and, you know, it's not that they did anything, but I could just tell that it didn't fix the problem. And so like after it 
didn't get better. Right. And like giving them some time off and like, Hey, you know, get your house in order. I got this, you know, I get that, that, that can't happen everywhere. Um, but I think that it just goes to the point where sometimes we just need to listen and shut the fuck up and just listen to what people are telling us, you know, especially our people, you know, uh, Again, everyone is low staffed. Like, can you really afford to to sit there and chastise a guy because he's asking for help or, or a gal for asking for help? Like that's fucked up, right? At its core, we wouldn't do that on the street, right? If we got a suicide call, we wouldn't go there and be like, oh, you know, you just need to toughen it out and, and you, you'll be fine. Just, you know, take a, take, take some, go get some sleep or whatever the case We sleep it off. You know, like we legally can't fucking do that on the street. So why are we doing it in our departments? You know, like there's, there's not a lot, but there are some resources out there. But I think if, if like leaders like me, big and small, you know, just listen to your fucking people. Um, you know, I'm a little more fortunate in that sense, because again, I, I, I get to see these people every day. I work with them. Our families are close. So, you know, it's a little different for me because I can tell when things are a little off, you know, um, but no, you officers should not be fired or, or chastised for reaching out for help because, Again, we've already spoken to the sense of like the shit that they see every day and especially in, in bigger agencies, right? Like it drives me fucking up the wall when, when sometimes you read about these chiefs or you see policies being put in place and it's like, did you fucking forget where you came from? Like, I know you're getting political pressure and I know there's things going on back doors that maybe we on the outside don't know, but at the same time, like, can you afford to have that officer like leave? Can you afford to have that shift empty. And if you can like give them a couple days off, like give them resources, like help them get their life in order and just listen. And I feel like, you know, if you do that and they actually feel valued a little bit, um, it wouldn't be as nearly as bad because again, we're just, we're constantly dealing with shit of everyone else's problems that we neglect our own. And, and I think that needs to change. Agreed. Well said, man. All right. We're going to do the officer of the podcast, which we haven't done in a while because you guys are fucking let me down. <laughs> so if you know somebody that is doing good work that deserves to be recognized nationally on a very poorly made podcast, you email me poorly made police memes at gmail.com or you can DM me DM. You can DM me on uh, Facebook and Instagram. I prefer the email, but beggars can't be choosers. Ghost patch. My homies. My friends, my lovers, we've got all kinds of shit in the works, and they have generously donated these patches so I can send them out to our winners. So uh, this one is to Lenny slash Lloyd slash John, whatever day, whatever fucking name I'm going by at the moment. I want to nominate my buddy, Ranger Blankety Blank. He's been on the job for about 10 years now and still loves what he does. He's an all-around stand-up guy. We are not compensated for any of our additional instructor duties, yet he's taken on three, and he gets out every day and covers about 86 miles of river and the surrounding 10,000 acres of land. He's always willing to lend a hand whenever asked. He regularly picks up overtime to cover and has the natural gift of gab to de-escalate almost any situation while even having that warrior mindset, which he has to have because he works alone in remote areas. I am not even drunk and I'm slurring my words. <laughs> I've known him for about six years now, and we've uh, I've never seen him without a smile on his face. 
Well done, Ranger Blankety Blank. Does he deserve air horns, a T-Rex, or an applause? I think a T-Rex would be good. We need more T-Rex. We haven't had T-Rex lately. We need to step that up. So uh, make sure you guys are sending in messages. All right. So before we get to my dumb, dumb questions, it's a couple things. First and foremost, really just one thing. This is uh, your opportunity. I'm going to slide my soapbox over to you. Is there... Is it fucking called a soapbox? I, I'm just I still a... refer to it as a soapbox, so I know okay. what you're talking about. It is a soapbox. I was like, did I call it the wrong thing? I just had a moment where I'm like, have I been calling it the <laughs> wrong thing for my whole life? What the fuck? All right, I'm sliding over the podium. Slash soapbox. Is there anything that you want to speak to the millions and billions of listeners about and rant about? Um, No, you know, the, the biggest thing, man, is like, I know you kind of have a niche audience with cops and, and right now, you know, what I would message to anybody in law enforcement that's listening is, is watch out for your brothers and sisters. You know, um, you hit on the mental health thing and, and that's important right now. And that's a huge thing out there. And I know it maybe not always translated by, you know, your admin or your, your command staff, but you know, it, it takes one person to make a change in somebody's life, whether that, and most of us know that even on the street, but don't, don't neglect the people that you work with, you know, take an extra time, check in on your people, um, make sure that they're okay. Uh, that's the biggest thing. Uh, that's what I advocate all, all the time to anybody that I talk to is just, you know, checking on your people, make sure they're, they're okay. It's super important to me. It's something that, you know, I try to do as much as possible. Um, and even if you are a road officer, but you know, somebody went to a, a shitty fucking call, um, you know, it doesn't have to be right after, but maybe the next day just shoot them a text. Like, Hey man, how's it going? Want to grab a beer or something like that? You know, I, I alcoholism's bad. I understand, but you know, Give them the That's opportunity fine. to just listen, right? Just listen to your people. Let them let them vent. Help each other out because there's there's not many uh, not many of us left that that really want to continue this job and and do a good thing. And if if we keep losing people at the rate we're losing people, there's going to be nobody left. So keep in on the people that that are most important to you. Check in with your families too. And if you got issues, you know, reach out, find somebody to talk to. Uh, that's if couple people hear this and do that then i'm good with whatever whatever uh i say next on the podcast on that note well said by the way do you think weed marijuana should be legal i mean honestly at this point you might as well make it um you know i'll uh does that mean uh, i hypothetically get more revenue dollars so that i can finally pay my people if that's the case then sure um you know, nowadays we don't even arrest for minor shit. We'll just cite them into court, let the courts deal with it. Um, it's not worth the paperwork or the time. Uh, and it sounds like cliche. Everyone else is doing it. Um, you know, I, I don't know. There's going to be enough restrictions on it, much like alcohol. So what's the holdup in my opinion? Um, I think that there's more important shit that we can focus on right now. Um, so yeah, I say legalize it if you want. Do you think, let's say in a, a perfect world, the the marijuana is legal in Iowa? 
do you think cops should be able to smoke it off duty? Uh, you know, that's a tough thing. I, I know that there's like other studies that have done like CBT or CBD, CBD oils and stuff like that have, you know, helped reduce anxiety and things like that. I, I mean, I would refer it to a doctor, right? Like, like kind of right now, it, I'm not a doctor, like I'm not going to med school. So if a doctor says it's going to help you, you know, I would put this, I'm sure there'll be restrictions on it, right? Like if it became legal, I'd probably have to be forced to write some sort of policy, much like, you know, alcohol, like eight hours prior, you can't do it during these times. Like you can't do it when you're on call or whatever the case may be. Um, but I don't know. That's a tough question. I, I don't know how to cross that bridge, I guess, until it's thrust upon me. I've totally become this guy. Cause you said, well, you know, if a doctor says so, why not? I, God damn it. I am so fucking suspicious of doctors anymore, which is <laughs> funny because, you know, I, I preach all the time, like, hey, look, you know, cops are a bunch of fucking thugs, right? We're not allowed to come fuck you. But I'm like, and I'm not saying that, like, doctors are out to fuck you. But I, I just. I humans, they're human and humans suck. And. Yeah. humans cut corners and i'm like this motherfucker's probably cutting corners this guy's fucking listen to the big pharma this yeah you know i just feel like doctors oh my god here we go on a rant again <laughs> it doesn't i don't know and it, maybe it's just my feeling and i'm not i'm not encouraging you not to go to the doctor okay not not encouraging that at all but i feel like you go to the doctor they're always pushing fucking medicine on you when yep. there's solutions, right? Like, and why are they pressing the medicine on you? Because, you know, I don't know. I don't know why. This is not the all doctors are bad podcast, though. I know there's, that's the thing. I know there's like good, like decent people that are doctors that just want to fucking actually help people. I need to, I need to like get out of my head about that shit, you know, but it just seems like the medical profession, they all kind of go along with the same thing. And then like one day they're like, Oh, that was fucking stupid. All right. We're done <laughs> with that now. And all of us were like, well, how the fuck do we believe you about anything? And I'm not, well, isn't, talking isn't about it COVID. true that more people get killed by doctors than they do cops? Isn't that like yes! a legit statistic? So and we don't talk about not, that. We don't talk about that. That's not in the six o'clock news. No, it's not. Go to the fucking doctor. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm really just talking myself out of getting a checkup. I don't remember the last time I went <laughs> to the doctor. So, okay, back on track. Would you do it again? Would you have fallen or, or fallen, not fallen? Maybe that's the right way to put it. Would you have followed your family's footsteps into law enforcement if you had a time machine, or would you have done something else? I think I would have done it again. Like I said, I, you know, early in after getting out and kind of being burnt out on the law enforcement thing, like uh, it's the same reason why I pursued a degree in like public admin with a law enforcement focus is like, I'm really not good at anything else. Like, and I'm like good at like minuscule things like bullshit menial tasks. Like I can fix my deck or I can change my oil. Like that's not what I'm talking about, but like career wise. Um, and I truly believe that. I was put on this earth to do this job. And so I don't see myself being able to go back and like change, you know, I may have changed, I would change many things like primarily decisions that were made, 
you know, things that if I could go back and like keep my knowledge of what I know now, go back and like, oh, I'd be a fucking rock star. But, you know, as far as like job goes, like I'm only good at this shit. I that's what I was meant to do. So I don't think I would have changed anything. I would still be a cop somewhere. I fall into that, too, where I'm like, yeah, this is cool. Like I've, I've figured out how to make a living uh, running a meme page and having a podcast. But I'm like, is that why I'm here? I don't think yeah. so. Yeah, and you miss like it doesn't matter either. Like, like I said, it doesn't matter if I went to a, a twenty man department or like a five hundred man department. Like, if I'm a chief, like I still want to do the job, right? Like, I still want to. Like, you see them badass fucking sheriffs in like Florida and shit, like still going through. I like I can't remember the guy's name, but like he does like social media videos where he's like out there with his dudes, like kicking indoors and like putting the post in the lawn it says like this drug house is shut down like that's that's cool to me man like having a leader like that that's like on the front lines with you like making sure shit is is still rocking and rolling that's that's awesome what is the dumbest thing you did as a rookie uh well okay so story time um uh, so we'll go back to when I first got hired, right? Um, I'd been not doing cop stuff for a couple years. I lived in my PD, so I hadn't moved yet. I was staying on a cot in a closet, uh, and I was shit. working four days a week. Um, I had like a TV and like an Xbox and shit to like keep my sanity. But I, like when I was there, I was there, man. Like I was it. And so... <laughs> I remember getting this call one night on the city phone. It was like three in the morning. And of course we don't call nine one for serious shit. We call the city phone. And like, so I'm dead ass asleep. And this lady calls, says there's this naked guy outside of her house, banging on her door. And I'm new. So I'm like, I don't fucking know. I like, I know what to do, but I don't know what to do. If that makes sense. Like, I know I have to go, but I don't know what I'm going to do when I get there. Um, so I fucking get dressed and I'm in like jeans and like tennis shoes with like one of those, like if you know any small town agencies in your area, like one of those really shitty polos that were made in like 1988 with the cloth badges, like one of those things. Oh yeah. And so like, I don't look like a cop at all. So I get in my car and I fucking haul ass on the other side of town and I get to this person's house and there's nobody, there's nothing going on. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So like I'm wandering around and they're like, he's gone. Like he left, he walked down main street and I'm looking back and I'm like, did I drive by this motherfucker? Like I had to, but I was so laser focused on getting there. And then sure as shit, as soon as I'm trying to figure out what the fuck is happening, dispatch comes over the radio and they're like, we just got a burglary alarm at the local gas station. And I'm like, okay. So I'm thinking in my rookie head, I'm not putting two and two together. Like this is probably my guy. Um, so I turn around and I go up there and, and this gas station's got double pane glass windows, uh, two doors. And one of them is just fucking shattered, just gone. And I'm like, Oh, I think I found the problem. And I walk in there and the fucking gas station guy was in there doing like records after hours or something like that. And he's got this dude at pistol point. That's completely fucking naked. Like whatever God gave him, he is just hanging out sitting at a picnic table with a six pack of red apple ale. And he's just, just drinking, having, having his own little tea time. And, uh, 
I didn't know what to fucking do. And he's fucking bleeding. He kicked the door and he's bleeding all over the place. He's sweaty as fuck. And like, he started coming at me and I didn't know what to do. And so I fucking tasered him and it was just a, a crazy fucking experience to be like two weeks on the job. And like, if I would have just slowed down, like I probably would have been able to see the naked guy walking down a well-lit street at three in the morning, like having a merry old time, but I didn't. And it just escalated like beyond my control. And we ended up finding out like the dude ordered LSD sheets online from like Sweden. And I remember he was, he, he was sitting on the cot. So we got him like up or whatever, got him on the cot, ambulance shows up, get him on the cot. And a, a senior deputy, he was a canine guy at the time. He's like asking him questions because he knows, like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And like, he, I had, I'm, I assume I had that look on my face, like, please fucking help me. I don't know what I'm doing. And so he starts talking to the guy and he's like, <laughs> he's like, what'd you take tonight? And he's like, LSD, man. And we're like, how much did you take? And he's like, all of it. And like, I hadn't been a cop long enough, but I knew that all of it probably wasn't the best answer to give at that time. And like, again, down the road, we ended up doing like the county did a warrant and had me help and do stuff like that. And we ended up getting like the dude ate like two full fucking sheets of LSD paper, like the the sugar sheets or whatever. He was just tripping fucking balls out of his mind. But yeah, like that's the one mistake that like I knew from that point on. And I still stress it to like my people, like slow the fuck down because like you will miss shit if you get so laser focused on something, just slow down. Because like I could have probably stopped him from, you know almost getting shot by the the gas station owner. I skipped this one, but we can go back to it. What are your plans when you retire? I know you're a ways out from that, but do you have big aspirations? What, what does the chief want to be doing in 20, 30 years? Um, you know, life has changed a little bit. I think that now I'm, I'm more focused on my kids so, you know, the last couple of years, um, again, after my divorce, I've really changed my focus on being less involved um, with work and more involved in their lives because it's easy for us, right? To put like everything aside, like help again, we we get so used to helping everybody else that we kind of throw the people that we care about to the side. And so, you know, if I make it to retirement, um, I kind of just want to enjoy my family. You know, uh, I'd like to be able to travel a little bit take them places that maybe, you know, some of the places I got to see when I was in the military, like Europe, um, Japan, Guam, things like that. Like being able to to actually do stuff with them, maybe my grandkids, something like that. Like that would be, that would be my goal at the end of the day. That was a beautiful answer. Thank you. That was beautiful. On that note, do you have a good dildo story? Did you talk to somebody? How did you know I had? I mean, I know most cops have a good dildo story, but I, I don't, absolutely do. Man, I don't have a good dildo story. I I have a dildo story that I have aptly named the Dong Bong. Okay. Um, so College Town, right? Kids experiment. Um, and so I get a call from one of the RAs, like room smells like weed. Okay. You know, get over there, talk to the kid. Kid's super nervous, and so. Talked to him for a bit. Um, we're like, you know, typical conversation. Like, come on, man. Like, if you just got a little joint, like we work with you, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And he's like, I I have more than a joint. And I'm like, okay, well, how much are we talking? You know, what I mean, let's let's work through this problem together. And 
He's like, I got quite a bit. I'm like, okay, well, I'm like, you mind if I search your shit? Like I got a consent form, whatever. So he gives me consent. We start searching the dorm room. And so I, I get like, it was in the early stages when like wax started to become a thing. Um, Cause like when I started, it was just like leaf weed. That's all that was around. It wasn't like fucking, you know, waxes and THC vapes and shit like what they have now. But it was like in the very early stages of that, that honey or whatever they called it. And um, so we uncovered this, this big ass fucking container of just pure THC honey and the next bag, I start digging in this thing a little bit, and I just see this fucking monster of a dildo. I mean, just this big, veiny, purple-headed son of a bitch. And I pull it out, because why wouldn't I? And so I pull it out. I had gloves on. Um, I pull it out, and this guy is a modern architectural phenomenon. I swear to God. He drilled out the pee hole all the way down to the balls and put, like, this <laughs> metal tube and, like, didn't break the fucking dildo at all. But so like the, the bowl was actually in the nutsack. So you would pack the, the fucking wax or the weed in the ball sack. And you had to, you had to cradle it as such to get it to work, to open up the fucking tube. And so you had to cradle the balls and then put the head in your mouth to fucking smoke it. (laughs) So I, I took it and I, I refused I refuse to this day, and you can ask my evidence tech, I refuse to let them destroy that because, again, it is a trophy of astronomical proportions that sits in my evidence locker. That's amazing. I mean, it was it was a 12-incher for sure. You would know. I would know. It was huge. I was like, no, that's not mine. I'll tell you that. It's not a cast. I, I assure you. Do you have a favorite dead guy call? Uh, favorite. Ooh, that's a fucking interesting word for favorite. Um, you know, it's I, funny. Like some people are like immediately like, oh yeah, let me tell you about this shit. And then I had one guy and I felt like such a dick. He's like, well, dude, they're fucking, they're dead people, man. They all have a story. And I was like, oh, I'm an asshole. But anyway, what's your favorite <laughs> dead guy? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I really, I think the only time I was like, what the fuck is there was a guy that we had to, we had to break out a window of a storage unit and get a forklift to get his body out. He was like 600 pounds and he was just melted into the fucking Ooh. couch. And I was like, that's not going to work. Like you're going to pop the bag. Like it's, I don't want to be around. I ended up calling the fire department. I was like, you fuckers can deal with it. I'm not, I'm not about to, I'll take pictures. Uh, that's, you know, we're, we're a, like older community. So we have a lot, a lot of old people, but that was like mm-hmm. the only one that stuck in my head is like the, watching the forklift, bring this guy out of a window of the second story. Oh, Jesus. You know, just remember, if you die, someone's going to have to carry you out of there. (laughs) Think of them, okay? Like, I want to binge too, but I'm doing this for the body snatchers. I'm not doing this for my family or for my health or to get back on the job. I'm really just doing it for the body snatchers. So I'm a little like, I don't know, leave cookies or something. I don't know. Yeah. Doesn't always have to be so dreary. I feel like one of the, my favorite memes I made was about like when you're waiting on the body snatchers and you steal one of grandma's uh, butterscotches. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel like I thought that meme. I don't know if I've made that meme. I'm sure it's in the 
thousands of memes I've made somewhere. You know, now if I go to a fucking dead body call and I see a, a jar of candy, I'm, it's going to be an urge to want to grab one. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll make that the podcast art. I'm not sure. Uh, it's probably going to be something small towny, but we'll see. What is something you wish they would have t- told you in the academy, but you learned the hard way out on the street? Everything. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, you're so the academy is such like a big hurdle to you when you're a rookie. You know, you're like, I got to get this done. Like, oh, I'm soaking up all this information. And then you get out and you're like, this isn't what you told me at all. Like, this isn't real. What? You know, and I I could do a whole other podcast, you know, and I'm not talking ill on the academy, but just the mindset of like younger kids now coming out like of the academy. Like, I don't want to get sued. Like, I can't use force. I I can't be proactive, like huggy, huggy, solve all problems, which is I get it. Right. Like, I get that we can't be like warriors all the time. Like there's that that switch, right. The, The switch we have to hit when it's like time to time to go when it's time to not to. But, you know, it's just. I don't know what what has happened where we get so hung up on like being sued and like not being able to control a situation or like use force if needed. You know, like there's thousands of case law in both Iowa, for my example, and federally that says you can do this stuff because of legal precedents. And, you know, it comes down to education, but it's just everything. Right. Like it wasn't it. And I was unique, I guess. Wait, I did you road. just say, hold on, hold on a second. Did you just say you don't know what happened that made that happen? I can tell yeah, you exactly like, what it was George Floyd. Yeah, that's I where suppose. that that's was that. That was that. You know, it's Even like, though it, that was bad policing, right? That was horrible policing. But, but it was somehow, just a knee-jerk reaction of like how we have to change everything at its core. And yes. it's like, you know, I get it. Like, yes, we should be involved in our communities a hundred percent, right? Like most agencies are like you don't have to pander to everyone that has a negative opinion of you like our job anything that you do you're probably going to be 50 50 on if somebody likes your decision or fucking hates your decision right like every decision you are forced to make there's probably going to be another party that probably doesn't like that fucking decision and you kind of have to be okay with that and yeah it's it probably was george floyd where it's like you know some of these younger cats, man, it's like, just do your job. Like, you know what you got to do. And you know, like I, like one of my big things and it's, I'm not like an old timey cop. Right. But like, I watch body cam now of the officers and, and stuff like that. And it drives me up the fucking wall when I see like people digging in their fucking pockets and like fiddling with shit. And it's like, you know, I know we're a small town and like, you can't, but like maybe, you know, ask, tell, make uh, is a big thing for me. Like, don't, don't be letting people dig around in your shit because you don't know what's fucking in there. Like, you know, we just had a case the other day where I was watching it and I, I was in the office and I was like, Oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to watch, right. And see what the deal is. Just kind of educate myself. So I know what's going on. And I watched it and I, I was watching like the deputies, like letting this guy like fiddle in his fucking pockets the whole time. And he ended up having dope. Of course he did. But I was like, like God, it like anxiety ridden the whole time, like 10 minutes of him just fidgeting in his fucking pocket. I'm like, he's going to fucking pull out a fucking gun. He's going to fucking pull out a knife or do some stupid shit. Like he's evaluating his options. Like, is somebody going to catch it? And it fucking drives me crazy. But yeah, I'm I'm detracting uh, from your original question. Like everything, everything the Academy uh, taught me. I mean, not everything. That's a broad statement. But, you know, a lot of that stuff, it just wasn't applicable to the street. It just wasn't. 
what is the proudest moment of your career? Ooh, um, proudest moment. That's a tough one, man. Put me on the spot. I, you know, honestly, right now, I think, I think within the last, sometime within like eight months ago, you know, um, I think it takes like five years for you to figure out who you are as a law enforcement leader. You know, you can say that you want to be chief and you can say that you want to be sergeant and you can say you want to be in charge, but until you start actually fucking doing it, like you don't have a clue. Right. Um, so like I had an epiphany moment about eight years ago and it, and it was just in my office again, just like watching some body cam doing some of the more normal stuff and, and like just seeing like, some of the shit calls that we deal with and seeing how the officers handled it and being like, I fucking made that. Like I trained that, like I got them to that point. And it was like, I know what I'm doing now. I'm comfortable in my own boots, right? Like I, I know what I can and can't do. I know not just the law enforcement stuff, but even like the political side of things and like the admin stuff. Like I'm, I'm at that point where I like, I'm in a good spot and I, I know what I'm doing. So I think right now that's where I'm at. Like I'm a very, I'm in a very good place about what I'm doing, even in my small agency that, that makes me proud of that. Nice. All right. Here's the point in time where we get into the, the ghost and alien shit. Do you have any <laughs> ghost encounters or alien encounters, uh, anything like that? Most of my shit was in the military, man. Like I worked, uh, OPSEC. I worked on a nuke base somewhere in the United States and like there was always like some weird radio traffic sometimes at like two in the morning that would just come across lights in the sky shit you know I haven't really um, encountered much of that like ghost shit I, there's a building on our campus that they say is haunted I've gone looking I've never had an experience yet unfortunately um, I've gone in there late at night like even when I work night sometimes um just seeing, seeing if something shows up, a light's on, you know, go check it out. But I, I haven't had anything cool like that, man. I hope that you do. I hope Someday I do soon. too. One day for my Just book, keep, ultimately, keep when believing. I when I retire. Yeah, one day, believing. hopefully. Good, sir. In your humble opinion, what is the greatest patrol car of all time? Oh, Crown Vic. All day, every day. All day. No, no questions asked. I, I had Vicks when I was in the military. We had a couple old ones. I fucking loved them. Um, love those things. Loved them all day. Uh, my first squad car was like this. What was it? A Chevy. Oh God. It was some, it wasn't supposed to be a cop car. I'll tell you that, but it was like this tight little bullshit of a car. And it was the most uncomfortable thing ever. And like, I hated the Fords. I still hate the Fords. I, I hate the Explorers with a, absolute passion so nothing will ever be if if they ever come back and do a redone crown vic i'm buying all of them fuck yeah what do you guys have at your agency so we just switched everything over to to tahoes um within the last couple of years i got a pickup coming um mainly just for um some of the extra equipment that we got now and and we we're a very rural agency so like we've got a river that goes through and we do we do some odd like five or six river rescues because we get people that aren't familiar with the river and they get lost and shit. So sometimes we got to have that, that nice four by four to go back there and get them out. But um, we, we rock Tahoe's right now just because we have so much equipment 
and uh, it's easier to maintain, especially for the dog. Like the cage is a lot bigger. It's nicer, better ride. So, I mean, they're not, they're not bad. They're fine. They're okay. I mean, it's not a Vic, but they're not bad. Yeah, it's not a Vic. I mean, we can't, that's an apples to oranges comparison. I don't think everything, anything will ever compare to those, but um, for what it's worth, yeah, right now, those, those got the top dollar in my eyes. Now, here's the moment of truth. This is what people really want to know. They don't care about your prior history in the military. They don't care about what you did as an officer. They need to know, does the chief shit his pants like the rest of us? Everyone's got a good shit pants story, right? Let's hear you, it. You can't be an adult. I actually shit my pants on duty once. Oh, yep. Accident scene fatality. I was there for a long time. It's just, it's so sad. I know it was a juvenile kid on a moped. Uh, um, Yeah, bad, bad scenario. But I, it was right when I transitioned over to chief and we were low staffed and I, I drove all the way out and helped the officer deal with it. And we were doing the investigation. We were there for something like 12 hours. And, you know, that old saying, man, you don't ever trust a fart. And uh, I was proven right that day. Where were the troopers at? Troopers they love were to too. investigate fatal accidents. They were there. I, we were just kind of on the side and hanging with the family, and I had to uh, immediately tuck tail and go back to the office real quick. Well, buddy, we've made it. We've made it to the conclusion of this podcast. Do you have any words of wisdom for the millions and billions and trillions and quadrillions of listeners out there? No, I, I enjoy it a lot. I, if you ever want me back, let me know. Um, like I said, I I feel like I have something to contribute to some sort of law enforcement in, in any capacity. So I appreciate you letting me come on. It's been great. I, I love the podcast. I hope that it continues to grow. And if you ever need anything from me, you just know where to find me. Absolutely. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you uh, taking a couple days out of your evening. <laughs> Dude, I am fucking tired, man. I just said a couple <laughs> days out of your evening. Um, fuck me. I need to go to sleep. I knew what you but meant. I knew what you, you meant. You know what I meant. It's been a long day, kids. Well, you guys know what to do. Take care of the fine, fine sponsors of this podcast so I can continually fuck up very easy sayings all the time, constantly. I was told the other day I used the term hyperbole instead of hyperbole. I am not very educated. Go fuck yourselves. But if you uh, like what I'm doing, like this fine fella does, and I know a lot of you guys do, make sure you guys are taking care of the fine sponsors because with the, without them, this wouldn't be possible. And uh, obviously go check out the merch, uh, Ghost Patch, my Teespring store, all that good stuff. Holidays are coming up. Give the gift of poorly made. That's what everybody wants, Okay. Your wife doesn't want a new sweater. She doesn't want socks. Your husband doesn't want socks or tie. He wants poorly made police memes merch. Okay. With that said, remember. Hmm. What did we learn today? With Much. that said, remember that if you're going to smoke weed, you might as well do it right and do it out of a dildo. And I love most of you. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs>